Welcome to the CBA Grain Exchange Podcast. This is your host, Luke Beckman, Grain Sales Manager for Central Valley Ag. During this podcast, we dissect the latest USDA updates and discuss other key market features. Every month, you will hear from different members of the CBA Grain Team on what trends we are seeing in the marketplace and solutions to current marketing challenges. Welcome to episode number three of the CBA Grain Exchange. I'm your host, Luke Beckman. And uh, happy to be coming to you today. Uh, we had a bullish corn report today, bullish soybean report today. Uh, the grain markets exhaled and had some green on the screen. Uh, corn finished 12 and three quarters higher on the September. And August beans up 17 and a quarter on some bullish information today. Uh, my guest on today's program is going to be Kelby Vandenberg. Kelby is a senior grain merchandiser with Central Valley Ag. Kelby, welcome to the CBA Grain Exchange. Thanks, Luke. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Kelby's been trading grain for CBA for a while. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? Well, I grew up on a farm uh, over by David City. I interned with Legacy UFC for two summers while I was in college. Uh, after graduating college, I started working for Legacy UFC in January of 2014. Shortly after that, uh, as we became part of uh, CBA later in 2014, um, Throughout my time here, I have uh, traded wheat and milo, truck corn, rail corn, and now trading truck and rail beans uh, for CBA in Nebraska and Iowa. So I've kind of uh, gotten to experience a little bit of, of every market in my time here. Yeah, that's given you a good perspective, Kelby, being able to trade each one of those markets and commodities and tell us, you know, from a merchandising perspective, how does a company like CVA provide value to its member owners? I'd say one of the most valuable things that CVA has to offer is the number of different markets that we can touch. We have multiple railroads that we have access to. We have multiple local markets that we have access to. So I feel the most valuable thing that we have to offer is that we can provide a competitive bid to our farmers every single day. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, that local control, that local ownership, you know, certainly separates the cooperative and how we function, uh, local board of directors uh, governing, uh, governing how we uh, make decisions. So uh, throw that all together and you get uh, the exciting things that CBA can offer to our member owners. But let's dive into the numbers today. We've got a merchandising perspective on the show for you today, but just a quick rundown on uh, the June 30th report. So June 30th, we get two key pieces of information. We've got the planted acreage numbers. Now that's survey data that happened in late May, early June. We also have the quarterly grain stocks as of June 1st and also uh, survey-based data uh, during early June. So key information that the market needs to operate. Leading up to this, the USDA was extrapolating production based on the March 30th planning intentions numbers. Um, if you recall, we had really large corn acreage numbers reported at the end of March at 97 million acres and soybeans at 83 and a half million acres. So really that 97 was certainly a drag on the balance sheet. So today, the big shocker, uh, market was expecting 95 million. Uh, USDA reported 92 million planted acres of corn today. So certainly bullish. That equates to over 500 million bushels uh, of production that we basically just took off the balance sheet today. Soybeans, on the other hand, uh, went up only modestly to 83.8 million acres from 83.5. That was not up as much as expected. So 
really principal crop acres were down across the U.S. Overall, that that report very bullish for both corn and soybeans. Uh, wheat acres, just as an aside, were the lowest they've ever been reported since uh, statistics were being kept on acres uh, dating back over 100 years. Uh, as we look and turn to the stocks report, uh, corn came in at 5.22 billion bushels. That was 272 million bushels higher than expected. So this was a little bit of the bearish information here today. Soybeans pretty spot on uh, pre-report estimates for stocks at 1.38 billion bushels. So a lot of information. Uh, Planet Acreage report kind of stole the show. But Kelby, you know, what were your takeaways from the corn reports today? You know, you kind of mentioned it a little bit with the acreage cut for corn. Uh, the market was kind of anticipating some sort of a cut, but I don't think anybody anticipated a cut that was this drastic. And what uh, what's really interesting to me is we dive into the numbers and look at it on a state by state level. Uh, Nebraska had the second highest acreage cut among states. So uh, only second to North Dakota, who had an 800,000 acre cut. Nebraska at 700,000. So it uh, it was really interesting to me that, first of all, we saw acres cut so drastically. And then that um, of the states that had cuts, Nebraska was the second highest. Yeah, interesting. You know, North Dakota had some prevent plants, so they certainly had some reasons. You know, what do you make of Nebraska's numbers and just overall why why lower on corn? I think that some of it has to do with uh, what the price of corn was as we were going through planting. I know that conditions were pretty decent as we were planting corn, but I think that um, I think that the prices uh, during planting had some sort of an impact on that. Yeah, and you kind of felt like we were in this tug of war, right? Because we had the poor prices brought on by you know Corona breaking across the U.S. You know, but then we had that really productive spring. Typically, we get a good opportunity to plant corn and acres go up, not down between planning intentions and finals. So uh, hard to decipher. Uh, you know, we did see corn, you know, bust through some uh, overhead resistance today. Uh, you had these corn over 350, as high as 354. Uh, feels like the charts kind of open up. Managed money is probably now on their heels a little bit. You know, what do you feel like price direction looks like the next couple of weeks here? Yeah, definitely. You mentioned um that the managed money, um, they're definitely positioned to where if the market uh, wants to rally, uh, they're in a position where we could see some fireworks. Coming out of the commitment of traders report on Friday, we were nearly 250,000 contracts short corn. So they're leaning towards the, the heavy short side. So you get a report like today and, and the acreage that they came out with, um, you know, that's not something that the funds being in the position that they are, that they want to see. So I think that, uh, you know, with what we saw here with the acreage report, um, it could uh, definitely provide some some room for the market to go higher over the next couple of weeks. I want to talk about the stocks report just for a brief moment. Uh, takeaways from that, obviously, stocks and corn were a little bit larger than what we expected. Any uh Oh, anything you take away from that as you look at state numbers? Yeah. So, you know, like you said, um, the average estimate or today's numbers were slightly higher than the average estimate, but you start dissecting it by um, Eastern Corn Belt versus Western Corn Belt, more regionally, I should say. Uh, there's a whole lot less corn in the Eastern Corn Belt, which uh, probably not a huge surprise given the uh, difficulties that they had this last year with their growing season. But um, 
over here in the western corn belt we've got quite a bit more corn that we're sitting on um i'm showing 215 million bushels more that we've got between on-farm and, and off-farm stocks so okay so more corn in the west versus the east might have some spread implications and certainly kind of justifies why corn uh, carries have been tight uh, really all year but back to corn really being buoyant i mean don't want to pull any energy out of a bullish corn conversation, Kelby, but what are some of the consequences of higher corn price here? I would say uh, probably the biggest watch out is going to be what happens with ethanol margins here. Um, over the last couple months, we've seen the challenges that uh, the oil war between Saudi Arabia and Russia presented, as well as COVID. And we saw a number of ethanol plants either reduce, grind, or shut down because ethanol margins were so poor. Um, finally starting to see pretty much every plant come back online, a little bit of margin getting built back into it. And now, you know, with the price of corn starting to go up a little bit, it's definitely going to be something to watch because, uh, their margins, their margins will potentially suffer a little bit from it. So their aggressiveness to, to want to buy corn or to stand in and, and push the market isn't going to be, you know, what it would be if, if margins were good. So Calkin thinks today with the, the board run up and what corn's going to cost them, you know, we're looking at probably a two cent a gallon loss. So um, it's not horrible, but it's it's definitely going to curtail their demand a little bit. Yeah, it's something we have to keep in mind, you know, as you look at the new crop uh, balance sheet, we have a 14.8, the USDA rather has a 14.8 billion uh, bushel demand line item there on the balance sheet. So They've got a lot of room to maybe make a few cuts if they had to. So uh, don't want to dampen bullish enthusiasm, but keep that in mind as we set our expectations uh, with some green on the screen. All right, let's talk about some soybeans. Uh, we had mentioned earlier that soybean stocks came in pretty close to estimates, uh, 1.386 billion bushels today. Uh, that compares to pre-report estimates of 1.392. So pretty close on the bean uh, stocks report. Uh, and then again, we we had mentioned with acreage, uh, bean acres were down, you know, just shy of a million acres from what pre-report estimates came in at. So, you know, we kind of thought corn was going to come down a little, came down a lot more than we thought. Bean acres uh, did not go up as much as we thought. So, Kelby, takeaways from today's bean reports. I'd say that was probably my main takeaway uh, was that we didn't see as much of an increase in soybean acres as, as what the market was expecting. Like you said, you know, if you're going to see a little bit of a drop in corn acres like we saw that you would see it made up in the bean acres and we just didn't see that today. Uh, the stocks report that was pretty status quo, no major no major surprises there. Um, and then as you dissect it more regionally, um, I think the biggest takeaway is just how big of a reduction uh, in stocks there is both on farm and off farm, both in the eastern corn belt and in the western corn belt. So that was probably my main takeaway was just the, the great reduction in stocks. Yeah, you know, you look at stocks numbers, USDA has a 585 million bushel carryout for old crop here. And uh, you start to wonder, you know, where's that crop going to be carried or who's going to carry that, um, you know, into the into the next marketing year. Uh, beans, you know, certainly responded positively to the acreage news and status quo on the stocks. Uh, similar to corn, really feels like, you know, we busted through some resistance funds, a little different in the beans, a um, little long in the beans, but 
What do you think uh, price direction wise here, Kelby, the next few weeks? I think the beans have a little bit of room to run here. We've seen some pretty decent demand um, on the new crop front. And over the past couple of weeks, we've seen a little bit of demand on the old crop beans. We've seen the spreads be extremely firm for old crop beans and bases along the river, uh, which is an export market, uh, be very firm. So the market is hungry for beans. It's telling producers as well as the commercials that they shouldn't be carrying any ownership forward, that anything that you own should uh, should get liquidated because the, the market's paying you to sell it now versus later. Yeah, kind of a good feeling to see... Uh bean demand tugging, you know, pulling on some soybeans and I uh, expect to have a good export program here this fall. That's probably a good segue as we think about um, big picture. Now you're the, you're the merchandiser, Kelby, or one of the merchandisers for CVA. I want to talk about basis a little bit. Uh, oftentimes we get questions, you know, where uh, CVA's basis values come from. Uh, how does an ethanol plant come up with their basis values? Talk to us a little bit about what your process is for coming up with you know, a grain bid to farmers. So corn and beans both really have a, a few major markets that everybody looks at. On the corn side, we've got our local ethanol markets, as well as the UP Group 3 market, the Hereford market, P&W market, and, uh, and Mexico are kind of the main markets for corn. So every day we're looking at what those markets are worth, the freight that it costs to get it to that market, and then the elevation that we need to cover our costs around the facility. And then that's how we set our bids uh, to the farmers. And beans are, are pretty similar. Uh, the main markets are a little bit different. We've got the local processors. Then we've got the St. Louis River market. We've got the Gulf. We've got Mexico. And then we've got the P&W market. And so we're looking at the same thing on the bean side. where looking at what those markets are worth the cost to get the beans to that market, and then the elevation we need to cover our costs. And so we're looking at that every day and then um, using that information to set our bids to the farmers. So really kind of an interconnected web uh, between what everybody's bidding. Other people see uh, what's happening across the U.S. globally, and it all really settles back into a number that we can pay the farmer or, you know, uh, a processor can bid a farmer. Um Talk through, give us a little play-by-play -play of today. You know, we had uh, corn and soybeans rallying um, for the first time in what feels like forever. Basis did change in the middle of the day today. So from a merchandiser's chair, walk us through that and why that happened. Anytime you reach attractive price targets and there's going to be a substantial amount of grain at the market, you'll see the market get a little bit sensitive. You'll see end users want to take a step back and reevaluate just because each bushel that you buy, the goal is always to buy the next bushel a little bit cheaper. So sometimes as you reach those targets and you know that there's going to be a lot of grain that moves, you'll see you'll see markets back off just a little bit to to try and create some protection. Yeah, it, it, you know, everybody gets emotional uh, when the market's moving hard in one direction or the other. And so, like you said, taking that step back to kind of reevaluate how the rest of the marketplace has been impacted by a big rally is is really smart, you know, by the individuals in those chairs. So uh, we saw corn bids back off today in the middle of the session. Uh, we saw bean bids back off today in the middle of the session. So 
uh, certainly tells you grain was moving today, which, you know, you would think so with uh, corn and soybeans up double digits today. Uh, that's really going to wrap things up for us here. I want to bring it down for a landing. And uh, Kelby, as you think about the next couple of weeks, uh, what are some things that, you know, the marketplace is going to be watching? I think the biggest thing is that weather becomes a factor now. We saw the drastic cuts in corn acres and then bean acres aren't quite what they what the market thought that they were going to be. So all of a sudden the market becomes a whole lot more sensitive to, to the weather. And like we mentioned earlier, with the way the funds are positioned on corn with a big short, the beans with kind of a small long, uh, we feel like, you know, there's... If we run into some adverse weather that uh, the funds may want to cover their positions and we could see some fireworks in the market. So weather's definitely going to have more of an impact than it would have had we had corn still in that 97 million acre range. Yeah, it's going to put more onus on on uh, yield to be there. Not that the corn balance sheet is concerned at this point, but uh, if you start to have some yield questions, you know, during pollination the next three weeks, um, Corn can get a little excited um, and, and put a little bit of a run on. So uh, we've got the July 10th S&D report coming up uh, the 10th. So that'd be a week from this coming Friday. Uh, so keep that in mind. The USDA is going to incorporate today's information into their full balance sheet estimates. And really, July is the first time that we see uh, yield get tweaked in most years. So we'll see what the USDA's thoughts are. For Luke Beckman and Central Valley Ag, Kelby Vandenberg, thank you for listening to episode number three of the CVA Grain Exchange. Stay safe. We'll see you in a few weeks. Thanks for listening to the CVA Grain Exchange. Stay up to date on all things CVA Grain by signing up for our grain emails at cvacoop.com grain or follow us on social media at Central Valley Ag on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next month. And until then, stay safe.